The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info@harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. So I have I have uh, good news and I have bad news. What do you want first? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what you think. We're going to get to good news first, because <laughs> it's here in my notes. Um, so the good news is that for as long as this message lasts, the good news is you're going to be perfectly applying the principles of the message. Isn't that good news? Okay, you're going to be perfectly applying the main point of what we're looking at here uh, today. That's the good news. The bad news is that for, for most of us, once it ends, we're going to go back to not applying the message at all. That's really bad news. We're going to struggle with the application of the point that we're seeking to make here. Namely this, that a Christ follower, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that a Christ follower must be given to devotion and not distraction. And right now, in this moment, you're devoted to the hearing of God's Word. You're devoted to hearing what God has to say to you in this very moment, that you're giving your attention to that. And that's awesome. But once you leave here, the temptation will be to allow a flood of distractions to take you away from that and to keep you from what Jesus calls in our passage today, the one thing that is necessary. And we're going to see a contrast between devotion and distraction as we look at the, uh, at the incident with Mary and Martha in the time that Jesus came to visit them. And Martha hosted Jesus in her home. So this is uh, found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. That's where we're going to be, just a few verses here. Uh, Luke 10, uh, 38 to 42. I'm going to read the text, I'm going to pray, and then we'll begin unpacking this. Sound good? Does that sound good? Yes. Great. <laughs> Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve you alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, we know um, from your word uh, that the Bible is a lamp to our feet, a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Father, we know Also that it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, that it's a discerner of our thoughts and our intentions. And Father, we know that in these moments, we need to be, and especially as we leave this place, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so God, by the by the power of your Holy Spirit in us and in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask that that all would all be true as we look at your word just now. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right. 
A Christ follower must be given to devotion, not distraction. Let's look at this first. Uh, when I'm distracted, I stop at welcoming Jesus in. I stop at welcoming Jesus in. Now, Martha is, I think it's important to say here, we have these uh, two women. Martha is a Christ follower. She loves Jesus Christ. Every indication in the scripture is uh, that Jesus and his uh, band of disciples, as she got exposed to them, she became one of his disciples as well, one of his followers. And in fact, in time, one of his closest friends. And that's why Jesus is here in their home. Verse 38, on their way, this is Jesus and his followers, they entered a village, uh, the village of Bethany near Jerusalem, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she did so in the literal sense of having him into her home, but I think we could also say that in the more spiritual sense of that, she had welcomed him into her life, that she was a devoted follower of Christ at this point, that she had a vibrant and genuine love for Jesus, that she was believing the things that she was hearing from him. Later on in John's gospel, chapter 11, you hear her make a very strong affirmation about the resurrection uh, when her brother Lazarus had died. And she believed she had heard everything Jesus was saying. Now, at this point, of course, he had not yet been crucified. He had not yet been resurrected, but she was believing the promises that he had been teaching. And so we establish all of that about Martha because she, but she doesn't have it all right. But we need to understand that she is indeed a believer. She had faith, but her faith had not yet fully affected every aspect of her life. Now, who does that sound like? She had faith in Jesus Christ, but her faith had not yet fully affected every part of her life. Just, just point to who that refers to. Just, just point to that, that person. If you're pointing to me, you got it wrong. Now, it's true, but we ought to be pointing to ourselves that we don't quite have it all right yet. That's not unusual at all to say for a person to come to faith in Christ and still have some things to work on. That's kind of, that's kind of normal. We, none of us here are perfect. We all have things that we're still working on. We're still grinding it out for Jesus until the day we see him face to face. And so really in this first point, what we need to hear is this, that we need to make sure we don't stop at simply welcoming him in and then getting all confident. Hey, you know what? I'm a Christ follower. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. And then, then that's it. And we don't continue to grow. We don't continue to press into no more. We're not trying to be more holy, not trying to be more like Jesus, that we're just happy with as far as we've gotten, welcoming him in. But the Christian life really needs to be this process of becoming more and more like Jesus over the course of our lives. And we want to be able to measure that and see that growth happening. But when you're distracted, when there's a lot going on in your life, and we'll define that a little bit more carefully in a moment, when you're distracted, you just stop at welcoming Jesus in. It's just good enough that I'm, a, that I'm identifying with Jesus. But in contrast, when you're devoted... Listen now, this is what Mary did. You're going to stop to sit at Jesus' feet. Now Mary, when Jesus gets to Martha's house, it says here, Mary, verse 39, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, sitting at the feet, this is, a, this is an expression, actually. I mean, I think that Mary, by all accounts, she's actually sitting at his feet, but then that became the idea of getting underneath the teaching of another person. 
And uh, I've had opportunity in my life. I've been walking with Jesus more than 30 years, and, and I've had many great pastors that I've sat under their teaching, and many great professors, theology professors in college and seminary, who I sat under, I literally sat at their feet and listened to their teaching and learned from them. And that's the posture of the disciple. Uh, you have something I don't have. I need to hear the thing that you're teaching. I want to grow in my walk and, 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 and in my understanding of who Jesus is. And so I'm going to sit at your feet and I'm going to learn from all of that. And now obviously we can't get with Jesus physically as Mary did. Uh, but the devoted follower of Jesus Christ finds the time to read the Word of God for themselves, to listen to the Word of God as it's taught uh, by others, in order to hear the voice of Jesus, in order to learn from Him. And I would just ask you, do you have that time set aside now? Is that something that you're very committed to? Not just once a week when we get together here, but you have a time and times during your week, when you're sitting down to get at the feet of Jesus, to hear the word of God. And if you don't, notice what it says here. You need to stop and sit at Jesus' feet. If life is just going so fast for you, it's time to press pause and to reevaluate everything that you have going on in your life. To find some things that you're doing that are getting in the way of you spending time with Jesus. Because for certain, we all have the same amount of time, for certain there's enough time in a week to carve out those moments when we can get under the teaching of Jesus Christ. But we've allowed other things, distractions, so many things really, to crowd in on, a, on, a, on top of that. And there are some things, if you don't have that time, there's some things that you're going to need to reevaluate and you're going to need to let go of. You need to, you need to make it happen and, and whatever time of day that needs to happen, and I know there's always lots of talk about get up earlier and, and, be, you know, and if you're a morning person, that's super easy, right? How many morning people in the room here? Just raise your hand if you're a morning person. I love you because I'm a morning person. And I was just thinking like, um, uh, not this morning, but yesterday morning, um, I was awake like super early. The windows are all open in our house right now. And there was a bird that decided to perch like right outside the window and start, they start chirping. Some of you don't even know that birds chirp because you never get up this early. <laughs> birds chirp loudly and they start at precisely, it's crazy often this happens, they start at precisely 5 a.m. in my neighborhood. I mean, I can set my watch by it. And chirping, chirping, but I don't mind that. Now I wake up to that and then I get up and by 5.30, two mornings ago, 5.30 in the morning, I'm sitting outside, word of God out, sunrise coming up uh, in our neighborhood, just loving it. Now some of you couldn't think of anything more horrible than that. Now, so that's me. I'm like, I'm up early, early in the morning. I'm, I'm so 6 a.m. fired up. Uh, 1 p.m. Um, fuzzy, fuzzy. Not a great time for me. Um, 10 p.m., uh, I am uh, fading fast, okay? So fired up, fuzzy, and fading fast. When am I going to spend time with the Lord? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve it out in the morning because that's my best time. But maybe, you're, maybe, maybe you can carve it out at noon, at noon and that's a good time for you, middle of the day. Or maybe, maybe you're a night hawk and instead of watching some late night TV or something that you've PVR'd or catching up on some Netflix stuff, maybe you're just going to spend some late night time with the Lord because you're up anyway. 
But you, listen, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure God doesn't care what time of day you spend with him. But I'm pretty sure that he wants you to spend some time with him. And so that's, that's really the thing here. When you're distracted, you stop at welcoming him in. But when you're devoted, you stop to actually sit at his feet and hear what he has to say to you. Next, let's look at this. When I'm distracted, I'm occupied with many, many things in my life. And I would say that uh, there's very few people here who don't have many things going on in your life. And we could probably all list, I got this going on, I got this going on, I got this going on. And there's so much going on in my life uh, right now. And and if you're about one thing, if you would just say, my life is really just about this, and then it governs everything else, then there's order in your life, and, and things make sense to you in a, in a better way. And if that's not true, if you don't have one central thing that you're about, and then you're just looking at, you know, I have six, seven, eight different things going on in my life, and these priorities are always kind of mixed up and going around, and you feel pulled and distracted and yanked in all different directions, pulled away really at any given time by any one of those things. And in Martha's case, her ser- she didn't have the one central thing that she was devoted for. And so for Martha, her service was actually causing a distraction and keeping her from better things, actually keeping her from the one best thing that Jesus wanted her to get. Now notice verse 40, what it says. Martha was distracted with much serving. Now that word distracted means that she had things swirling about her and yanking her in different directions. So the word really means dragging her down. And, um, and I need you to notice something that's really important in the text here. What, you know, what she was doing was this thing that was a distraction, according to Jesus, was hosting him, being nice to him, making a meal for him. And sometimes I think we're really hard on Martha. And then we do the same thing. Like, like if you were on your way home uh, from, from, uh, from spending time with the church this morning and, and, and you came by Jesus on your way home and you had the opportunity to welcome him back to your home. Now, the social conventions of, of our culture would dictate that if you get him to your home, what you're not, not gonna do is just go and sit in the living room with him without offering him a, a beverage. Would you like some iced tea? Can I put the kettle on for tea or coffee? And you're going to get out a plate of cookies or something, or you're going to look in the freezer to make sure there's a meal because it's around noon and we're, and we're going to want to feed Jesus because that's what a good host, is that not what a good host would do? We would we'd get him set up in the living room and then we'd go to the kitchen and we'd try to find something to serve him. That's what we would do. We'd all be Martha's because that's what the social conventions would dictate. She's trying to host Jesus, and, and that's a good thing by any measure. And so it's really important to see here that it's not some, it's not some sin in her life that's distracting her from Jesus. It's a good thing. It's an act of service that she's trying to do for him. Martha's godly service had become a distraction. Now, a little interpretive thing that I need to say here because there's a mistake that some people make when they look at the Mary Martha story and the mistake that they make is this. They think that it's a contrast between the contemplative life, you should just 
sit at Jesus' feet all the time and just pray and read scripture and never actually do anything in contrast to the doers, the people who are always like busy for Jesus and always serving him, but don't spend enough time in the contemplative. It's not really about that. It's not the contemplative life versus the serving life. It's, it's not that. Just say out loud, it's not that. It's not that. The problem wasn't that Martha was serving. That was not her problem at all. Because if she had prepared the meal, if, if Jesus had come into the home and Mary had sat at his feet and Martha had gone off to the kitchen to prepare a meal and she had prepared the meal and then brought it in and served it to Jesus and then sat at his feet, we, we wouldn't have had an issue at all. In fact, we wouldn't even know about this story because it wouldn't even be in the scriptures because it wouldn't be a thing. Her service would have been honorable. It would have been received by Jesus as the act of love that Martha intended for it to be. So how then did she blow it? What is this really about? It's about her attitude. And I got to thinking about this in terms of our life in Christ. And, and I, I think that one of the things that's kind of on the easy side of what we deal with is, is cleaning up the outside of, of ourselves when we come to faith in Christ. And so we change our habits. We change the outward things. And we start to conform more and more to the, the, the Christ followers that we see around us. But then the harder things, would you agree with me that after... A 30 or 40 or 50 years, the harder things to deal with, the greater matters of holiness in your life are always more the inside things. It's heart issues. It's my attitudes toward people. And that was Martha's problem. It wasn't that she was preparing the meal. It's that she was preparing the meal with a bad attitude. And that's the toughest thing to deal with. She just wasn't feeling great about the fact that Mary was just sitting there. And, and, and so the good thing, the good thing, serving Jesus a meal, the good thing becomes a bad thing when your attitude is off and you become distracted from the main thing, which is hearing the word of God and learning from the Lord. One commentator, David Garland, said this, she scolded not for hustling and bustling, but for fretting and fussing. And this can happen to any of us with any of the good things that we have in our lives. That we can have a bad attitude about it. We can have wrong motivations about these things. We can allow those things to become the central issue and think that it's about us. Again, it's not a sin issue that we're dealing with in Martha's life that needed to be rooted out. It was a good thing with a bad attitude attached to it. And so I, I think about marriage and, and I think about how our marriages are a good thing and they're from the Lord and he established it and we're one flesh when we're married. And it's good for a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church and it's good for a wife to respect her husband and submit to his uh, loving leadership in her life. Those, that's an awesome thing. But is it not true that some couples can become so engrossed in one another that they neglect the greater thing? They can even neglect the Lord. They can neglect their service. They can neglect their worship. That it becomes all about them and they forget that Christ is in the midst of their marriage. Or, or children are a good thing. They're a heritage from the Lord. And they can be such a blessing 
to us, but I've seen too many child-centered homes, too many moms who are so devoted to their children that they not only neglect the Lord, they neglect their husbands and their marriages. So a good thing becomes a bad thing because the attitude and the motive around it is it's off base and it's a distraction. And it can happen with anything. It can happen with your friendships. It can happen with your job. It can happen with your leisure pursuits and your rest and how you spend your time. It can happen for sure with your ministry that it becomes the thing or I do it out of guilt and my motives are wrong and my attitude about serving is off base. And that's what Jesus is responding to here. Uh, all good things that you have in your life need to have their proper place. But if we do any of these things with a poor attitude, it's, it's just a big zero in our life, as it was for Martha. Instead, when I'm devoted, instead of being occupied with many things, I choose the one good thing. Jesus said to Martha in verse 42, one thing is necessary, one thing. And then he says, Mary's chosen the good portion. She got it right. Now, what the one thing is in the, in the context here, by the way, when you're studying the Bible, if you come across something, you go, I wonder what the one thing is referring to. The, the best way to get that answer isn't to try and guess or make something up yourself, but to kind of read the rest of the passage or read the chapter that it's in or read the book where you find it or read the rest of the Bible to find the answer to what the one thing is. And we actually find the answer to this because it's not immediately clear in this little passage that we read, what the one thing is. But when you understand how Luke is crafting under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, crafting together his gospel here, you realize that the answer is right there in chapter 10. And if you go back to see some of the things that we've already looked at in chapter 10, you'll understand that in the front part of the chapter, Jesus sends out the 72 to go on a preaching mission, and, and they go out, he sends them out to preach the kingdom of God, and he tells them that the one who hears you hears me. It's about preaching. Last week, we looked at the parable of the Samaritan, and, and uh, in that passage, Jesus and the lawyer are actually having a discussion, and they both agree around this question of how do you inherit eternal life. They both agree that the source for that answer is the law of God, or the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And so it's about preaching, it's about our authority resting in the word of God, and now you have in this passage, in the latter part of chapter 10, you have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why? To hear his teaching, to hear every word that's coming out of his mouth. And so the one thing that Jesus is referring to here, Luke crafts this all together for us in the gospel, the one thing is this, it's, it's the word of God. That the word of God needs to be central in our lives, the one thing that is necessary is being grounded in the Bible because it is, it should be everything to us. This, this divinely given source of help in all of our trouble. This book that points to our salvation in Jesus Christ. This book that brings healing to our wounds. This book that helps us, give us wisdom when we're in, in, in a situation we don't know what to do. And God's wisdom so available to us right here. This book that guides our path when we're not sure where to go. This book that remains the authority in all matters of life and godliness. 
Why would we neglect the treasure that God has given to us in the Word of God? Why would we fail to open its pages to hear God speak to us? Why would we forfeit what God makes available through his word? Choose that, the one thing that's necessary. Choose the word of God. Put it at the center. Make it a top priority. And then everything else that's in our life, because we're not denying the fact that there's still a lot going on. But everything else begins to click into place when we give the word of God the priority it should have. And if, Mary had, if Martha had had that, if she had understood the things that Jesus had taught, if she was allowing that to saturate her life and change her, then she would have gone into the kitchen and happily made the meal and not had a bad attitude and brought that out to Jesus and did a beautiful thing for him and then sat at his feet and enjoyed his teaching. Or she would have skipped the meal prep altogether and gone and sat at his feet. But you know what? God made her. He wired her up to be a servant. He wired her up to have this helping gift, this servant gift. So she would have happily made the meal and served Jesus if she had understood all the things that he had taught her. This is... Um, this is a passage that always hits me so hard because I'm, I'm by nature and by gifting a Martha. I love to serve. I love to help. I love to take the gifts that God has given to me and, and use them to impact the lives of people. And I wrestle, and maybe this is hard for you to understand, but I wrestle, even as a pastor, to carve out the time I want you to know this is as much a struggle for me and this is a passage that's hitting me hard this week. But I struggle just as much as anybody would with this. Because I'd rather be busy doing things for the Lord. And I remember the first time that this really started to make an impact in my life and I read this little booklet called The Tyranny of the Urgent, Urgent by uh, Charles Hummel. Uh, he wrote this in 1967. He was working with uh, InterVarsity um, and uh, he's now with the Lord. But how many people have heard of this little booklet, Tyranny of the Urgent? Just raise your hand for me. Just really a few of you. This is so powerful, and you really should get it. It's just a very short booklet. You can read it in, in not very much time at all, maybe 15, 20 minutes, and it, you can get it from Amazon for like a buck 67. Um, so download that. But this is what Hummel said, and this was really helpful to me. Your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important things. And Mar Martha had let that happen. I've so often let that happen. For Martha, the urgent thing was, Jesus is in my house. I've got to be a good host. I've got to go make a meal. That's the urgent thing. Jesus needs to be fed and hosted. But the important thing that Mary had chosen was just to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. Martha had let the the urgent thing cried out the important. Hummel goes on to say this, there is an insidious tendency to neglect important tasks 
that do not have to be done today or even this week. See, the, 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 the problem with the important thing, which here we're identifying as sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to the teaching of God's Word, that's the important thing. But it's easy to put that off. Well, I'm not going to do it today because some other urgent things have now presented themselves and so I don't have time for the Word. What are those urgent things? Well, it, it could be that um, it could be that uh, work is just really super demanding right now, and I've I've got to put in extra hours at work. So the thing that drops because the urgent is crowding in, the thing that drops is I'm going to drop my time with the Lord. I'm not going to read the Bible. Or maybe I'm 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 tired. I'm just I'm run down these days. And so it's either more sleep on the front end or at the back end, and so I'm going to bed earlier and I don't have time with the Lord, or I'm getting up later and so I don't have time with the Lord because I'm just tired. And so sleep, the urgent thing, crowds out the important thing because I can put it off. I don't actually have to read the Bible today is the way I think about it. Or, or life is just busy right now and there's so much going on with the kids and we have them, you don't you know, we have them in soccer and we have them in dance and there's this activity and that activity and we're running them to camp and they've got this VBS to be part of and, and we're just running our kids so much. And so that's the urgent thing. They've got a game at seven and I just got home at six and I'm choking down some food and we're getting to the field. And the urgent thing crowds out the important thing. And those are all choices, aren't they? Those are all choices that we make. Whatever it is, our play, our favorite TV shows, time with friends, they're all choices. And sometimes we'll just say, you know what, it's just a season of life and we'll get back to it. And the problem with seasons is there's always another season right after it. Decide now that you're going to get the Bible back into your life. Decide right now that that's what you're going to do. There really is no other point to this message. The one thing that Jesus says is necessary is that we have the Word of God central in our life, that it's a priority. All right, let's move on. We're not going to get this done. When I'm distracted, I'm anxious and troubled. If we don't get this right, okay, if we don't get this right, then the consequences are going to be severe. If we, like Martha, are, notice that verse 41 says that she's anxious and troubled now. She's seeing Mary just sitting there. She's off in the kitchen preparing a meal, but filled with anxiety and so much trouble going on in her life. That anxiety then manifests itself in our lives and you just know if this is you, if you have a lot of trouble going on, if you're distracted and your mind is off, then it's right at that moment that you start mistreating people in your life. And you're not great to your kids and your marriage isn't great because you can't hold it together and uh, be the spouse that you need to be and, and people at work just tick you off regularly and just everything is off because you're anxious and troubled and we don't really need to wonder why that happens if we're not in the Word. If you're not spending any time with Jesus, then listen, of course, the circumstances of life are going to cause you trouble and anxiety. Jesus is calling it out in you and me as much as he's calling it out in Martha here. And I would just say that in all my years of 
being in pastoral ministry now more than two decades, that the people that I have known who have had difficult circumstances of life coming against them, but who spend time in the word and like meaningfully sitting at Jesus' feet and pressing in to understand what he's saying and to allow themselves to grow from that, learning from him, that those people simply don't, just understand, they simply don't get troubled and they're not anxious. No matter what circumstances they're facing in life, they just don't get there because they're enjoying what the scriptures uh, call Philippians 4, 7. Um, They're enjoying a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that's rooted in spending time with Jesus. And again, Martha doesn't have that. And anyone who mixes up their priorities, who doesn't have the word of God central in their life, anyone who neglects the word risks being anxious and troubled as Martha was. But notice when I'm devoted, see, I'm just attentive to God's word. One thing is necessary, Jesus said. And so this is like super, super elementary. I get that this whole message is as, uh, basically the pastor just told us to read the Bible today. Correct. Correct. You got it. This is super elementary. Time must be carved out and a place set aside in your life for the word of God. Too, too many people just give up because they hear this and they've tried it over and over again. Try and fail, try and fail, try and fail. I've tried to have a meaningful and regular time in the Word, but it's just happened so many times. I've just pretty much thrown in the towel and I'm not going to try anymore. And I really think this is hitting the majority of people in this room. In fact, we talked to the elders last night about this. And I, is it unreasonable to think, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand or do a survey of any kind, but I really think it's not unreasonable to say that 95, 96, 97, 98% of followers of Jesus Christ struggle to have a regular and meaningful time in the Word. I think it's that I. So I did this like scientific survey this week. Not scientific. But I did this kind of, this thing this week with social media just to kind of test this out. So, so this is, I, I like to post things on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, of course. I, I'm going to restrict this to what I did on Facebook this week. But just to illustrate how disinterested we are at getting into the Word. Or how much we struggle with it maybe to be more fair. So I'm going to tell you about four of my Facebook posts from this week. Um, let's start with this one. Um, Sunday, for, this is from Sunday evening. We had our members meeting at um, 7 George Street, the, the, the building that we're going to own soon. And um, this is Caitlin. And uh, this is the bar that has largely been used for unrighteous purposes. Uh, that will now be used for righteous purposes. We're going to retain that in our new lobby and it's going to become a coffee station and Caitlin runs that ministry for us and uh, she's super excited. You can see there, she's smiling broadly. Um, and, and so this, this post got, as you can see there, 64 likes and nine, do we call them loves? Are they loves? Loves. <laughs> Sit down if you've ever done this and you're a man. <laughs> um, so this one, so 73 reactions, and those reactions could be because it's Caitlin, because she's lovely. It could be because it's 7 George Street and you're so excited to get into that new building, or it could be about coffee, because I know how passionate you are about coffee. 
So those 73 reactions could be about that. Okay, so then that was um, on Monday then. On Monday, I posted this about my boat. I finally got it out of the garage. I haven't used it for more than a year. And I cleaned it all up, my old boat. And um, I got 48 likes and one... <laughs> Do we call them ha-has? I don't even know what we call them. 49 reactions to, about my boat. All right, that's cool. Then on Friday... I found out while I was at the office that it was National Flip-Flop Day. So um, I was supposed to be preparing the message, but somehow I found out it was National Flip-Flop Day. And I was really excited because I wore flip-flops on Friday to the office. And so I took this picture and I posted this and it, and it got, um, what does it say there? 30, 35, it's actually closer to 40 now in one love uh, for flip-flops. So that, by the way, those three posts combine more than 160 reactions to uh, coffee, boat, and flip-flops. Bear that in mind, 160 reactions for those three inconsequential things. Now, back to Wednesday, I put up a post about the top three prayer-slash-devotional guides that I've used in my life that I just appreciate and I, I use all the time. That's, would, would you agree more important than coffee, boat, and flip-flops? Would you agree with that? Four likes. Four. I don't need you to raise your hand to tell me that this is a struggle for you. Because I know it is. And yet I need to encourage you to be unrelenting in your pursuit. If you are discouraged because you have tried and failed a hundred times to get into the Word of God this week, then try a hundred and first time. Get back to it. Try it again. Be unrelenting in your pursuit of sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. And so three ways that you can really make that happen. The first is this. Uh, being in the weekend services. So you can pat yourself on the back right now because you're in the weekend service where I preached against not being in the weekend services. So success that you're here this weekend. But here's the thing. There are some of you here for whom this is not a regular pattern or it is a regular pattern, but not in the manner that maybe it ought to be. And um, I know some of you, Cheryl's right here, and you know, she grew up uh, in... Um, in a Baptist church, and, and you, were just a, you were just solid with the Lord if you were there on, uh, for Sunday school on Sunday morning and then the 11 o'clock service, and then you were back at night for the evening service on Sunday, and then you went to church uh, Wednesday night. How many people, that was your gig growing up? And you just went to every service that was there, and if you missed a week, people thought you fell away from the Lord. True? They just thought you fell away from the Lord. And uh, they check in on you and all of that because that kind of regularity was a thing. And now in our culture today, and not just here at Harvest, but in all kinds of churches, the culture today is that, um, that the weekend service is an option. That I have a bunch of things I could do this weekend. And so regularity now for a, for a, a follower of Christ and someone who's part of a local church, regularity is I come, you know, I'm, we're, I'm, we're here pretty much two and five every other couple times a month. But we don't have it in us that this is the default place I need to be if I'm not working or actually on vacation, but I'm not waking up on Sunday morning thinking if I'm going to church or not. And so this needs to become a thing 
for some of you. And the decision you need to make is once a week, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ when his word is opened and I'm going to hear what he's teaching all of us together and I'm going to get that. And then the second application is pretty obvious off of that. We're pretty big on small groups and uh, six out of 10 adults in our church are already in a small group. We love that number. It's actually not a bad number for churches like ours. We would love that to be even higher. And getting with your small group every week to then take the sermon and discuss that out with other people, a dozen people in a room and holding one another accountable and really talking out the application. It's another way we can sit at the feet of Jesus. And then uh, thirdly, of course, personally getting into the Bible through the week, being attentive to God's word in all of this. That's the choice we need to make. All right, ready for the next one? When I'm distracted, I think I need to fix others. You see, if you don't get the singular focus on the Word of God, instead of submitting, getting under the authority of this book and having this as the authority for your life and for the people around you, if you're not spending time in this, then you're not getting under its authority, then really what happens is that who becomes the authority? That, that I become my own authority. That all of a sudden now I'm setting the tone and pace for my life. I start judging the people around me. I start setting the standard for everyone. I start thinking that I know how you ought to be living your life, not based on anything I'm reading here, because I'm not reading this, but based on my own opinions and perspectives. Martha fell into this, verse 40. So she's, she's in the kitchen. She's fuming because Mary's not helping her. She's just sitting there listening to Jesus. So Martha falls into this. Notice what it says. And she went up to Jesus, verse 40, latter part. She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? And then she offers her like opinion of what should happen next. She's, she's rebuking Jesus. Please take note. Tell her then to help me. And so you, you see it, obviously. She's trying to fix Mary. But she's also trying to fix, she's trying to fix Jesus. Does Jesus need fixing? Anybody here think Jesus needs fixing? He does not need fixing. No, she's angry with both of them. And, and, and it's because she had become her own authority. She wasn't listening to the word of God. Now, we too often see people, the anger that she's expressing here, by the way, that's not the, that's not the core issue. And it's true with people, if you know anything about human nature, you just know that whatever the rea reaction is you're seeing outside of a person, whatever that outward reaction is, that's an indicator of something that's going on inside. And that's what's going on here. Her anger issue is masking something far deeper for her. Really, it's an unresolved issue related to her attitude and her lack of submission to the word of God. Martha trying to fix Mary and Jesus betrays this lack of prioritization on spending time with the Lord. And she has this, and this is true for a lot of us in this room. The, the core issue is this, you have a casual relationship with Jesus, not a committed one. Don't take Jesus for granted. But when you're devoted, 
you know you need to focus on Jesus. This is Mary. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. We need this so much. So we live live in a society today where there are so many competing voices. This is like, for me, from, from my understanding, this is the problem with social media is that it's like turning up the volume on all these other voices and letting them have input into your life. And so all of these various media, social media or television, radio, everything that we're reading, so much input coming into our lives. And if we don't have the word of God at the center helping us to sort that all out and filter out what's good and what isn't, then we have a problem. So when you're devoted, you know you need to focus on Jesus. Sit at his feet in his teaching. John 5, 39 says this. I love this. You search the scriptures, Jesus said, because you think in them you have eternal life and it is there that bear witness to me. The scriptures are the very thing that point us to everything we need to know about Jesus Christ and that's why we lock that down at the center. When we're locking down the word of God at the center, we're really locking Jesus into the center of our lives, understanding his incarnation and why he came to this earth, understanding his teaching, understanding the crucifixion, knowing about the resurrection and looking forward to the the return of Jesus This book points to him, it bears witness, it testifies to him. One of the lines from a professor that has stuck with me ever since my days in college, David Barker would say, every time we crack the book, we're staring into the face of God. Mary had that. She was devoted to that. The final pairing here very quickly. When I'm distracted... I'm rebuked by Jesus. Martha is the main character of this. Not Mary, not even Jesus so much. It's it's about Martha and her choice. And she's the one doing all the talking here. And Jesus rebukes her in verse 41, says, Martha, Martha. Whenever your name gets repeated, something's going on there. You're anxious and troubled about many things. And Jesus is just making it clear here. Martha was wrong. Her actions were wrong. Her attitude was wrong. What she said was wrong. Everything about this was wrong. And and Jesus is pointing that out. It's okay for Jesus to do that. And everything Mary did, her reaction and her decision was right. She chose the better thing. And the warning here for us all to hear, the rebuke in all of this, I, I think is this. Your significance is not measured by what you do, but who you are. Service, as Mary, as Martha was expressing it, needs to be an act of love motivated by Jesus' love for us. Our significance needs to be found in Jesus' words, not our works. Whatever you need to hear from all of that, hear it from Jesus this morning. When you're devoted, Jesus commends you. Jesus said, verse 42, Mary's chosen the good portion. And he said, he said this, it's not going to be taken away from her. What that means is that every minute you spend in the word, every, every line you read, that's going to bear eternal 
benefits and results. And no one can ever take that away. No circumstance can pluck time away with Jesus. No person in your life can rob you of those moments that you had with him. Every minute you spend at the feet of Jesus is an investment that bears eternal dividends. Don't waste a moment of it. Carve out that time for a regular and meaningful time with the Lord. So are you given to devotion or distraction? Our time together is coming to an end now. You've been perfectly applying it for the last little while. But the decision will be yours as you leave this place. Whether to continue to perfectly apply this and sit at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful um, for your word. We're grateful again for the clarity of it. And uh, uh, Father, I remain convinced that, that all of us in this room desperately need this reminder to be in your word this week. And I pray that the the sheer volume of time that is spent in the word by the people in this room this week will grow exponentially. Father, you'll see all of that. You'll teach us and instruct us. And Father, our troubles and anxiety will be pushed out as we get still, as we press pause and spend that time with you. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer and for this precious time together, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.